Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. With over 200,000 locations throughout the U.S. and offering 12,000 different types of batteries, stop into your local Interstate Battery store today and let them help you find the right batteries for your everyday life. This is a Houndsman XP podcast with your host, Steve Fielder, and me, Chris Powell. If you're ready to up your game to extreme performance, sit back, buckle up, and hang on for another exciting episode of Houndsman XP. Welcome to the Houndsman XP podcast, everybody. It's another uh, week of uh, news and reviews, and I know Steve has got plenty of news from Florida. Uh, I can tell you that <laughs> I hope our rain is over because I'm way behind on my work. However, it's allowed me to uh, do a lot more on uh, the podcasting side of it. Steve, how are you today? Well, the weather report from Florida is rain every day. It's that rainy season. That's one thing you can depend on in Florida. You're going to get rain every afternoon at this time of year. Uh, what I didn't count on was it raining every day during the winter t- time when <laughs> I was trying to train that pup. And I'm out there, and I, I'm thinking instead of a tree and walker, maybe I should have thought about a lab. <laughs> uh, i saw on uh marketplace yesterday uh a local guy had a had a funny post on there it said one ziploc baggie of dry dirt ten dollars you know because it, it's such a rare thing right now to have dry dirt that uh uh they're even selling it on facebook marketplace so that's kind of that's kind of funny well that's a new twist you know i heard uh uh, or when I talked to Kent Spencer uh, of the Riverbend flag fame a, a few weeks ago, he talked about where he grew up, and he said we had to go down the road to get dirt, enough dirt to plant the corn. So maybe that I remember you saying, "Yeah, I remember you saying <laughs> something about that." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, but it, it's all good. It's uh, you know. Uh, the sun comes up, the sun goes down, and each day we get is a gift. So that's I, right. I, I'm happy with that for sure. I'm sure that the guys in the Southwest would like to have some of our rain. There's no doubt about that. Always out that way for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. So we're uh, we're going to fly this thing just me and you today, uh, and talk about the podcast. Talk about we want to talk some dog stuff today. Um, but one of the things that we want to talk, we, we kind of want to do a recap of some of the things we've already done. Um, I'll just start out right there. You know, last week we had Freedom Hunters on, uh, Anthony Pace and, and uh, Bud were both on the podcast and gave us a rundown of what Freedom the Freedom Hunters organization is all about. And, uh, man, I am excited about having them on uh, our team or partnering with them for such a great cause and and uh people people are 
may be wondering why we're selling merchandise, you know, we've got a great hunter, a great opportunity here to do the right thing and uh, keep keep pushing towards that. Well, I agree, Chris. You know, there's we can never repay the debt we owe as a nation to our veterans and those that some, you know, some gave some and some gave all. And for those who gave some and thank God are still with us, uh, it's just great to be able to to do these hunts and to be able to be a part of it. And even for those gold star families who paid the supreme sacrifice, uh, they can be involved uh, in Freedom Hunters as well. So, yeah, that was a, a great visit we had with Anthony and Bud, and it fired me up for sure to do more that I'm doing now for veterans. Well, I think our goal's always been to, uh, I don't think we're going to get rich selling t-shirts, even, even with the, uh, the partnership with W Hound Supply, but, uh, uh, it certainly gives us some money to do some, some quality events and, and put it back into houndsmen. And, uh, one of the other things we're, we're looking forward to and want to encourage all our listeners. We posted on, on our Facebook page, page a couple times and i put it on instagram as well but that benefit for leon brown of uh clark fork outfitters leon was in a terrible car crash and uh, ended up with a, a broken neck out of that and outfitting is his business and he's got a family and i watch i kind of watched this thing and picked it up on on social media but uh houndsmen out there are coming together to support leon so that says a lot about his character i don't know him personally but i've I've chatted with him a few times uh back and forth and seems like a super great guy and and clay newcomb of bear hunting magazine uh has actually went out there and has gone out there and and lion hunting with with uh leon and had a great great hunt with him uh recorded the whole thing on his bear horizons video on youtube so i'd encourage everybody to take a look at that put a face with this name but uh bear horizons is also a, a great place to to uh pick up some pick up some tech tips and and just pure entertainment they're doing a good job there but so leon i know i'm rambling on here i'm getting text messages and all kinds of stuff but uh Leon needs our support, and and even if you can't be there for the the benefit, you can send items there. You can contact us, and maybe we can put his uh, information in our show notes. Steve, is that possible? Sure, we can do that, Chris. You know, I don't know Leon personally, but I can certainly think about a man that you know loves the outdoors, uh, makes his living for his family in the outdoors, and then to have that taken away suddenly uh, would be devastating. And I know he doesn't want our sympathy, but we certainly can show that we do care about him and his family by participating in this benefit. And I, I send kudos out to those that are, are hosting this thing. Uh, you know, this hound community, and this was brought up, I think, when we talked to Anthony and Bud, are very, very, is very, very giving when someone is down or someone needs help, they step up. And that's what we're looking forward to the houndsman uh, to do in the case of Leon. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll bring up one of our, our common friends, our mutual friends, 
you remember Jeff Coons and Redwood Plots. What's his slogan for, for Redwood Plots? People helping people. Yeah, people helping people. I always, you gotta you gotta know Jeff to understand that because he really is a guy that that uh, is pretty inclusive in that sort of thing. So when we put this on Facebook and Instagram, that's one of the things we said was houndsmen helping houndsmen. Uh, we got a big enough community here that's been blessed in so many ways. So if you can send out, even if you can't go there and eat, you can send out the price of the meal. Then it will definitely be beneficial for Leon and and his family. Yeah, so they can go to the website. Is that what I'm hearing, Chris? And and, uh, and contribute. How is that set up? They've kind of been keeping his uh, his contact information uh, low key. I did not see anything on the uh, on the flyer itself. I do have his personal address uh, where donations can be sent. That's where I was told to send them, and uh, we can we can definitely put that in the show notes sooner rather than later i've i put it out there on instagram and and uh, facebook to contact me just so i wasn't blasting his personal information all over the all over the facebook world right well as you know we're working on a new website now and i imagine it's going to be up uh real soon and there's uh going to be an easier way for people to contact us uh we want to get the the feedback from everybody. We're we're so interested in comments, good, bad, or indifferent, and uh, we're going to have individual uh, mailboxes that they can do that. It'll make it easier than using our personal boxes, and uh, that'll all be posted on Facebook on the uh, Houndsman XP podcast uh, page there, uh, so that. Uh, Everybody can get in contact with us. They have questions about things like this, and all you know, it'll make it much easier for for our listeners to reach us. And uh, those boxes are going to be simply cpowell at houndsmanxp.com and sfielder at houndsmanxp.com. So that'll be an easy way for our listeners to get in touch with us. Yeah, everybody can send their their criticisms of me to you. That's right. That's right. We'll just <laughs> we'll just have a barbecue, you know. That's we'll a, just roast you to a crispy turn. <laughs> I, I'm used to it. Twenty eight years in law enforcement, I'm pretty I'm pretty used to it, so I can handle it. Uh, all right, all right. Well, let's kind of run down some of the recap on on some of our episodes. I, I really have enjoyed – we haven't been getting a lot of feedback, but the feedback I'm getting uh, has been very good. Uh, some of our highlight episodes, of course, was uh, our good friend Mike Thorman. Man, that guy was a hoot to talk to on the phone. I could I could talk to him. I need to go to that banquet and go up there to that wild Polish wedding with, gun, <laughs> with guns. See what that's yeah, all about. Yeah, that's the Mich- Michigan Hunting Dog Federation banquet, and it is a good time, that's for sure. And speaking of banquets, I just accepted an invitation by my good friends uh, Joe and Nancy Hudson, who uh, have the UP, which stands for Upper Peninsula Bear Houndsman Association, up at Escanaba, and they have their big blowout in, on the last weekend of February. So. Uh, I I'll be there speaking uh, to the group and and having a great time and uh, 
Uh, yeah, you, anybody that wants a good time for a good cause is look at those banquets that they have in Michigan and Wisconsin each winter. Man, they are they are really what it would almost be worth someone's time to go just take a vacation. Realize wintertime in Michigan's not tourism tourism season, but if they go up there and just attend the Michigan Bear Hunters uh, Convention there in Gaylord at the Treetops Resort and go to the Michigan Hangdog Federation uh, meeting over in the Thumb over there, around Lapeer, I believe it is, and then go up to Escanaba for the uh, uh, UP Bear Houndsman Banquet. Man, that, that would... <laughs> I, you, you'd probably have to take a sack of money because you'd want to play all the raffles and all that, but you could also come home with a truckload of guns if you're lucky. Yeah. And according to uh, Mike with the with and Buddy, the amount of beer they drink, you might want to line up an Uber too. <laughs> that's right, for sure, for sure. <laughs> well, that's one thing I noticed: the hunters up north they 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 hunt hard, but when the day's over, there's usually a community bar around there somewhere. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah it's all part of the culture. Well, it's definitely uh, something that that I people need to see uh, just if for no other reason so they know how to uh what can be done and what's possible to be done uh for a state organization to to build their to build an organization and also keep the lights on and and be effective be effective as a, as a hound organization so yeah i'm i'm kind of looking forward to that myself well the point is is these people work tremendously hard on behalf of the dog hunters and all dog owners, really, all year long. And so they get that opportunity once a year to get together for a terrific meal. There's a there's always a, a good group of speakers. Uh, the raffles are a lot of fun. It, it's a big party for sure, but it's definitely a time to, to reflect on what they do. And, and you know, Mike mentioned there that they raised fifty thousand dollars last year at their banquet. So Isn't that crazy? That money, it is, and it goes into a war chest to fight these battles when they come up. So it's all good. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of uh, people that stay in the fight, uh, you know, we're we're listed on the Join the Fight page on W Hound, uh, Hunting Supplies website, and uh, we've been getting a lot of feedback about W and and the customer service that they're providing. Um, I don't even know how they, I don't, that, go ahead. Well, I, it's amazing, really. I know when we announced the photo contest that we ran on, on Facebook, uh, that, you know, people were responding and saying, I ordered the T-shirt, and I couldn't believe how quickly it got here and how, what great quality it is and how it fits and and all. And so, yeah, they, they've got the customer service thing down. There's yeah. no doubt about it. I ordered something not too long ago, and, and uh, the, I ordered a bark collar, and it was in my mailbox. I couldn't even believe it was here. I mean, it wasn't any more than two days that that I had that bark collar that I that I'd ordered from them. I don't. I have no. I got an idea. Why don't we uh, Why don't we give uh, W a call and see if they can release any trade secrets about how they're how they're getting that customer service taken care of. You want to try that? You mean you You mean you got a phone line that'll reach all the way from Bear Branch, Indiana, <laughs> out to Washington State? 
Wow. This technology is amazing. You know it? <laughs> We've definitely had our battles with uh, technology. Yep. Let me uh, let me see if I can get their number up and get somebody out there. They ambushed me on Facebook Live a couple weeks ago, so this is going to be a little payback right here anyway. Paybacks. Yeah. <laughs> so let me see if I can get, get them on the line. One ringy dingy, two ringy dingies. Yeah. <laughs> Calling their toll-free line here. When you dial in on Skype, it takes a second to get all this. You got to do it with your cursor and your mouse. Okay, we should be ready to roll here. Still there, Steve? I didn't dump you, did I? I am. I am. It's very quiet down here in Florida. W Hunting Supply. This is Charlie. How can I help you? Hey, Charlie. This is Chris Powell with Houndsman XP. How you doing? How you doing? I'm good. doing good. Hey, uh, is Jason and and uh, Jess available? Yeah, let me get you over to them. We're going to ambush them on a podcast here. All right. Sounds good. One second. All right. Got six bucks. That's enough for beer. I'm digging the music. Yeah, no doubt. He ain't never got no money, but he drinks the most beer. Double U, this is Jason. Jason, Chris Powell with Houndsman XP. You got Steve, Steve and I on the line, and we're ambushing you. Uh, just like. <laughs> Just like you did with me on Facebook Live a couple of weeks ago, so uh, you payback. Yeah, you are all, you are live on the Houndsman XP podcast, and uh, we were just Thank having you. yeah. So good morning, you, Jason. Good to hear. Hey, morning, Steve. Yeah, nice good. to be on with you. You bet. I never you got bet, a chance man. to actually uh, meet you in person when we were at Oaks. I could never slip away long enough to come down and say <laughs> hi. Yeah, well, we're going to do that this year, hopefully. <laughs> you bet. Yeah, all right. Is uh, Jess available to get on the line, too, Jason? You know, let me see if I can grab her real quick if you guys okay. are uh, ready for some really cool on-hold music. Yeah, we, we're just digging it. <laughs> all right, let me get her in here for you. All right. Got six That's enough for beer, huh? Who is that? I don't recognize the uh, the artist. It's not Merle Haggard and it's not Waylon Jennings. That's all I know. That's right. All right. We should have her. You there, Jess? I am. All right. Like I was telling Jason, Jess, it's ambush. It's payback time where I get to ambush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is payback for putting me on Facebook Live the other day. So uh, Buddy sets it up and we all pay. <laughs> well, I guess that works. <laughs> Hi, Jess. This is Steve Fielder here. It's good to hear your voice. Hi. Yeah, you too. So we were just uh, we were having a discussion about customer service at W Hunting Supply and talking about the fact that it seems like you guys are able to uh, go into a time warp and deliver stuff almost before uh, it gets through in the internet. So, how are you guys making that happen? Um, you know, we do have a really good relationship with our postal service here, um, but 
you know, with going priority mail, typically anywhere in the U, you know, U.S. is going to be a two to three day ship, and we do everything that in our, you know, power to be able to ship. Like we don't like to leave here unless our orders are at zero. So it could be like the end of the day, and we're just jamming those orders out to make sure that we hit zero to get everybody's out. And then um, we have a pickup that comes. You know, the postal service comes. You know, roughly mid afternoon, and then anything that is here afterwards, um, we actually take to the post office to make sure it gets on the truck to get out that day. Yeah, nice. And I nice. think I think another big advantage we have is with us being on the West Coast, you know, we're behind you, a lot of you guys out on the East Coast on time zones. So half the time you guys order by supper, and we've still got time to get that order out that same day. And I think right. that's a big part of it. Yeah, yeah. That, I hadn't thought about that, but that's awesome. But I know, you know, we're getting comments in social media from people since we announced uh, our partnership uh, and people are, are very impressed with the, with the quality of the items, first of all, and, and the great service. So uh, kudos to you guys for sure. That's great to hear. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I know that we've talked about this in the past, Jason, but uh, are you up for coming on the podcast uh on somewhat of a regular basis to, to discuss some, some new tech stuff coming out by Garmin and some of the other tracking systems, things like that. Oh, you bet. I mean, our thing is, is, you know, we really want our customers to be informed, you know, so any opportunity we have to, to answer any questions or give guys a jump start, you know, we're happy to do it. Good deal. Uh, Jace. Jason, I just bought a new computer with Windows 10. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> and I'm trying to build a website on it and learn the new operating system at the same time. Do you do those kind of things? <laughs> no, no. We've got a guy for that. <laughs> uh, you better sure. watch yourself, Jason. You're going to get roped into it. I know. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm still a houndsman, guys. Like, I just remember you. that. <laughs> well, I fixed me up with too. hammers and some smarts. <laughs> yeah, nice. Uh, that's for sure. For well, sure. I know you guys are. I know you guys are working hard, and we're probably keeping you from uh, getting those orders out the door. But uh, we just want a little payback and have a little fun on the podcast today, and and uh, get you on the line. So look forward to look forward to uh, having a little more in depth conversation with you. No, same to you guys. We appreciate you calling. And I have yeah, no idea I, how to hang up your call, but uh, once Steve gets his, <laughs> once Steve gets his thought out here, you guys just hang up on us, and I guess we'll we'll be uh, left to the two of us. Uh, I can. Yeah, imagine, we'll leave you to yourselves. I hey, imagine that Chris has jammed up your phone line now, and you won't be able to take any orders all day. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh so, so if you get any irate customers we'll send them all to chris powell okay <laughs> all right let me see if i can pull this up and figure out how we're going to do this yeah i can <laughs> hey i can just uh yeah i think i figured it out all right it's called hang up <laughs> yeah you hang up and i'll try to figure this end out all right well it's good right. to talk to you guys hey all you right. too you guys all, all right, right pleasure. See have a great day all right bye, bye. yeah bye, mm, bye. Okay, I think All I right. hung, I think I hung up on him. 
<laughs> I hope I'm not. <laughs> Buddy's Buddy's going to charge us for lost time today. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's such great people out there. That's what I like about W Hunting Supply. You know, I haven't known these people very long, but uh, all through the organization, as you can see, are just friendly folks, helpful folks. And that, man, that means a lot to me. Oh, me too. Me too. And they have been, they have been a lot of fun. I, you, that's kind of the cool thing about doing podcasts is you don't have to be so wrapped up in production stuff. You can kind of fly by the seat of your pants sometime and just pull some stuff off like that and well, have well, a good it's time. It's a good thing where it's a good thing where I'm concerned. That's for sure. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just an old hound guy, you know, I, I feel most comfortable when I'm sitting on the tailgate, you know, listening to the hounds. Uh, well, I'm old school, you know. I still listen to my dogs. <laughs> well, when you hunt, when you hunt those pot liquors you're hunting, they don't get far enough away where you can hear them, right? Uh, well, yeah. I, <laughs> I tell you what. I tell you what. It, it's that hunting within hearing. It gets more important through the years. Believe me. <laughs> I bet I bet Cruz is punching a hole in the dark up there in Pennsylvania now. Have you got any reports on him lately? Uh, well, things have been very busy up there. He's uh, he's at summer camp with our good friend Randy Smith, and and uh, talking about mentioning Randy. Man, we got some great reviews on his podcast. Yeah, we his did. visit with yeah, people really enjoyed his uh, comments about breeding and and. Uh, his philosophy and, and not so much. He didn't talk so much about the success as he did the, the you know, his, his, uh, devotion to those dogs and, and all. And it, it was just a great podcast. I thought, but yeah, old Cruz is doing good. I get a video about once a week and, uh, I don't know if those guys are making me feel good or not, but he's treeing those raccoons, uh, every time they take him out. So I guess it, uh, he's going to be, uh, a year old on the 27th of, of, or well, actually he was a year old on the 27th of June. And, uh, so yeah, it's all good so far. Keep my you, fingers crossed. Did you send him a cake up or what did you do for his birthday? Uh, no, but we had, uh, we had a little celebration here. Miss Ella and I, we talked about <laughs> a little bit and we had a little uh, time of remembering, you know, he left us something to remember him by, you know, I keep my dogs in the house and, yep. uh, he was great all the way up until about a week before he left. And he decided that one of Ella's wicker chairs out in the, uh, Florida room was, would be a good chew toy. So he left his mark before he left. <laughs> <laughs> Something to remember him by That's not right. to forget him. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. She was his advocate because, uh, the judge and jury was about to take, uh, action, <laughs> but she, she said, he's just a puppy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh he's yeah. Just a baby. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, I'm I'm hunting a couple of uh actually one of my dogs is uh in south I'm sorry, northeast Arizona now with Calvin Redhouse. He's gonna run him on run run this little plot female on on cats for the rest of the season. Then their bear season comes in in August. So uh, she is wild and crazy. I call her Kung Fu. Uh just 'cause she's she fits the bill. I mean, she's wild. 
and uh, she's out of uh, the Houston Valley plot line. And you can talk. Uh, we need. I need to get that pedigree to you so you can look at it because you you know several of those dogs if you haven't, uh, and and you even have a few of your dogs that are in her pedigree. Yeah, for sure. You know, back years ago, I got a a mail from Mister Barry Tarleton who is uh, the grandfather of Tracy Jones and the great-grandfather of Ben Jones. And uh, uh, we uh, uh, that dog turned out probably to be my lifetime hound, a dog that I really uh, enjoyed a lot, and that was the Bronco dog that I had. Mm. And, uh, and he was out of Mr. Tarleton's female and, and Cascade Big Timber, and so then, but down the line there, the dogs that Ben and, and Tracy are hunting now have a lot of the old Roper dog that I had. So yeah, it's interesting to look back, but he's back there five or six generations, you know, so it's a ways back. Yeah. I'm not sure how far I saw a set of papers when I picked her up and, uh, uh, Mike Colley's tracker, trapper dog and, uh, uh, Roper and some of those other dogs showed up. It was either in the sire or the dam side. I can't remember which one, but, uh, and I'm not sure how many generations those UKC papers went back, but man, I'll tell you what, this, this, this pup right here is not for the faint of heart. If I had to start, (laughs) I'm telling you, she is, I think she hunts almost as hard as Ben does. Um, I'm not kidding. That guy, that, that pup is a stem winder. Now she's, she can cover some ground and, uh, She's not afraid to, she's caught a, caught a coyote on the ground. Um, actually I was out walking her and had no intention, no expectation for her to take off. She just threw that nose up in the air. We were down in a valley and the, um, thermals were moving down and man, before I knew it, she was beelining up the hill and opened on a track and, uh, ran it across the hillside. And I heard him catch, and I've got a boxer that that loves to to just be outside with me. She's my bodyguard when I'm out hunting or cutting wood or whatever. So she always tags along too. And of course, Roxy bails in when she hears Kung Fu open and takes off up there. And and uh, I heard him catch, and I thought, well, they've caught a coon on the ground. And I I started hustling up, and big male coyote comes whipping out of the brush. And I've got a rifle with me, and. Uh, uh, couldn't get the rifle out of the pack and and up on the coyote in time and and he disappears in the brush and the dogs are dodging in and out of brush and before i know it there's five coyotes there because it's heavy den season right now and they're packed up and uh man they were they were running for their lives and giving them turning around and giving them some and and just get so when the coyote stops in the trail and i just whacked it and stacked it up and there was no reverse in that plot pup i mean she was on that thing and had it in her mouth in no time i couldn't believe it and how old is she now i have to look at her papers but she's just she's only about six months old yeah (laughs) yeah i'm i'm afraid she's suicide crazy i don't i don't know i don't know we'll see well, the plots are gritty. There's no doubt about that. They're gamey, and the ones that my dad and I raised for years were that way. And uh, but uh, you gotta you gotta temper that a little bit with some intelligence, you know. And they learn pretty quick uh, what what they can, where they can push the buttons, and where they can't, you know. But 
That's great. That's great. She's I, she's crazy smart too, Steve. I mean, like if you do something one time, like I was doctoring her ears, she knows as soon as she sees me pick that. I only had to do it one time, and and she sees me pick that bottle up, and then she's playing keep away at that point. But you know, in her, in the kennel, her <laughs> she she barks a little more than I'd want her to, but she's just you know she's one ten wired into two twenty, and uh, but as far as you know. She doesn't mess in her kennel, and and uh, she's she's sharp and she's bright. Yeah, well, that's the kind of pup I love, and I think we all do. And I wish that I were at a point in life where I could get back to breeding that line of plots uh, that my dad and I once did. You know, that's when when you have a breeding program that lasts over the years, and and you know, it, we were trying, we had goals you know, that we wanted to achieve. Sometimes we hit them, sometimes we didn't. But there was a lot of satisfaction in breeding our own dogs and seeing them come about and introducing them into the pack and, and seeing them do well. And and now where I find myself, I have to go out and pick and choose a puppy somewhere. It's just, you know, as a breeder, uh, I've never been a big breeder, certainly, because cause of my work and all but as a breeder you know it, it's not the same when you have to go out uh and and depend on somebody else's work thankfully you know with this last pup that i got i uh, got him from a breeder that that has done his homework for sure and uh produced a really nice pup that i'm i can't wait till this fall especially when we go to the white river and and be able to hunt that pup a lot by himself out there and see see what he can do but yeah these bright young pups are what make the world go round for sure we, we had a question come in on uh on our messenger let me see if i can find that on our messenger and and see what we got here i'll just kind of lay it out if i can't find it um I should have had this up. I apologize. Let me see if this is it right here. Okay. This is from Chase Chase Rickard. You didn't tell me not to use your name, Chase, so I'm using it. Uh, my question for the Q&A is rather you're buying, buying a dog, buying a dog or wanting to breed your dog, how far back in the pedigree would you recommend going back and doing research on the dogs for their traits. Well, Chris, the question I would have, I would think that would only be significant if it was a family of dogs. Um, you know, if you family breed the dogs, then you're stacking the genes, so to speak. You know, you're breeding for type, you're breeding for a, com a common common traits within the litters predictability i used mm -hmm. to say you know and the dogs that we bred uh, for many years and then when we uh became partner not partners but began to use some of the breeding stock of everett weems uh th these dogs were we did a lot of grandfather granddaughter uh, uh uncle niece type crosses within that same family line and and the one thing that that does is uh, uh, allows you to pr predict what those pups are going to act like. It's not going to tell you that they're all going to be great dogs and all, but you you can through family breeding 
breed a particular type of dog. You know about what size they're going to be. You know what kind of hair they're going to have on them, what their feet are going to look like, their ear set, their mouth most of the time. You're going to know whether they're easily trained or are they soft dogs, so forth. Those kind of things through family breeding. And I think if if it were a, a you know a family bred dog, then I would think, for instance, we used to breed on a dog called Weems Plot John. Now, John produced a lot of good dogs. He produced the uh, Weems Butch dog that was very popular with big game hunters. Uh, you know, and, and he he had uh, 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 several. Uh, then he also produced a dog called Hog's Little Joe, Swampland Joe, mm-hmm. and, and a female named Bill's Bell. And all three of those dogs produced good dogs right on down the line. And then when you bred... Uh, Back to John, uh, John's mother, Weems Plot Susie, was a littermate sister to a dog named Ursus uh, Rowdy Plot. And so those dogs, that whole family of dogs uh, was strong, and they produced right on down the line for several generations, as long as you kept generally within that family of dogs. Uh, So anyway, they were strong enough. Uh, You know, we talk about hybrid vigor, outcrossing to produce outstanding individuals. But that line of dogs right there was strong enough to carry their own weight down through generations. But if I just saw a dog back, let's say I'm a a Walker man and I see Sackett Jr. back five or six generations and that's the only time I see him, I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock in that. Right. Well, my my advice to Chase is to do research on every every dog you can find. Not only uh, the dogs listed, but if you can, try to get uh, information on the dogs' litter mates. You know, the old saying goes, "You'll you have a much better chance of getting a a great dog out of a a a, a, a mediocre dog out of a great litter than you do a great dog out of a mediocre litter." So. You know, if if this if the dogs listed in that pedigree are just one hit wonders, and they were the only ones that turned out, then your chances of uh, reproducing that are much greater to reproduce mediocrity than it is to reproduce greatness. Well, yeah, and I think Randy Smith brought this out in the as when he guested with us that it's important for you to know the dogs in those pedigrees, not just to know know the pedigree itself. A lot of guys have fallen into the trap over the years. They can spout pedigrees like a machine, Mm -hmm. but how much do they really know about the dogs that they're, that they're, uh, talking about? You know, I did a column not long ago for American Cooner magazine about Dick brothers out in, uh, now lives out in Nebraska, you know, and he's he was an, talking. He's in Iowa, isn't he? I, Iowa, yeah, and he hunts over across the line in Nebraska. But he talked about this thing about these deep and lonely hunting dogs and whether it's actually bred into them or is it created. And and certainly if you're breeding to a dog uh, to get uh, hard, deep hunting dogs that was uh, a out of a dog that was created to be that way rather than genetically that way, then the results are going to be a lot different. So, 
knowing the dogs on that pedigree, I guess is the point we're trying to make here. Chris is right. the important, is the important thing. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I know. I can tell you that, um, it's, if you get a, if you get a prepotent stud dog or a prepotent female, and I don't, I'm not going to pretend like I know how all that works, but my experience is it seems like, and I can say this because, um, I don't own the dog anymore and uh, had nothing to do with his background or his breeding. All the, all of that goes back to, to what breeders before uh, we ever did or before we ever had any uh, interaction with him or experience with him. But uh, that's big country. I mean, that dog is throwing long legged open tick dogs. You can tell what you can look. I get pictures from blue tick days or from coonhound events from guys and say is this big country and it's a pup it's a pup out of big country it seems that he's able to mark pups with hunting style uh confirmation and mouth and even attitude out of a out of a number of different lines of of uh within the blue tick breed so he's even he's even passing on his traits to walker crosses when they've when they've done crossbreds with him on walkers and and you can definitely see him there and you know how concentrated and how prepotent that walker breed is well the thing that i would do if i were the uh, and i'm not and uh, and i'm sure uh, the owners of big country know they have their plans and they know what they want to do with their dog and I would never try to tell them what to do with that. But if I had a prepotent sire like that, I I would do what Lloyd Brackett did. He was called the Mr. German Shepherd. Now, I realize we're, we're talking apples and oranges here. But what Mr. Brackett did to prove the, uh, and to establish his line in which he could produce entire litters of champions, one right after the other, and the way he w- he did that was he would select a sire like Big Country, and he would go out and find the very best daughters of him that were as much like him as he could find, and he bred those daughters back to the sire. And mm-hmm. that's how he produced those phenomenal lines of dogs. Now, we realize that if you do that, then down the road, you're going to have to outcross from that. But that's just the way that some of the breeders uh, down through history established their lines and 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 all. But uh, man, I tell you, if I owned a hound like Big Country, I'd be looking for the mo- the best daughter out of him I could find that was the most like him that I could find, and that's where I'd start my breeding program. I wouldn't do that generation after generation, but I would sure do it one time. Yeah. That's interesting. I never, I didn't even think about doing something like that. I think we get scared because, you know, the papers come bar- back inbred, and uh, it just scares people. I think. Well, that's right, and I and I think this may be a topic for another day, uh, or it's going to be a long day today. But <laughs> uh, uh, talking about breeding and papers and so forth, there is a trend. And I think you alluded to it earlier when you said that Walker breeders are breeding to this big country dog, uh, it, it, to breed away from the established purebred lines. 
and that has all kinds of rep, uh, all kinds of possibilities, good and bad, in the overall scope of our hunting. Uh, I was thinking about that this morning, and I'll just touch on this lightly, but I think it's a good topic for another day. I'm likening coon hunting now and the breeds and the breed days and the days when there used to be huge crowds at the breed association days like Walker days or black and tan days and all. There was all of this breed loyalty, black and tan Mm -hmm. versus the, I spoke with Guy Ormiston in Oklahoma this week. And he was talking, I remembered back when he and a fellow named John Wade in Texas started the battle of the breeds Mm -hmm. out in Oklahoma, the walkers against the blue ticks. And, uh, there will used to be all that breed loyalty and I liken it now to more like what has happened with NASCAR racing. NASCAR used to be Ford and Chevy or Dodge Plymouth, you know, Mopars against the GMs against the Fords and you were loyal to one brand or the other. And it really didn't make a whole lot of difference who the drivers were as long as like me, I'm a Ford guy. I wanted to see a Ford win on, uh, uh, first on race day, you know, not, mm-hmm. uh, not the other one found on road dead that some right. people, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the point I'm trying to make is now that's all gone away. Nobody pays much attention to the brand of vehicle that these NASCAR drivers, it's become more the personality, you know, the, the, uh, uh the, the Joey Logano or the Dale Earnhardt jr. Or whatever. So the brand loyalty has kind of gone away. And I think that's what's happening with our coon hounds. Uh, and we're seeing, uh, not that we're seeing a great number yet of these crossbred or expred dogs, but I think we're going to see more. And I think that our hunters out West have already grasped right. that idea for many years of breeding, you know, uh, not paying much attention to the particular breed. But I think they are paying attention to the individual dogs that they're breeding to, and that's good. Um, I also think of sled dog racing, you know, up in Alaska or whatever, where they basically bred an Alaskan husky now. That's a crossbred dog. You know, Mm -hmm. he's not a Malmute. He's not a Siberian. He's not this. He's a crossbred, you know. So I think that's probably what's happening with our dogs. But I think that would be an interesting uh, topic maybe that we could take for another day well back in the day you know early 80s when when uh i remember going to to my very first night hunts or coonhound competitions back in those days and you had dozens of entries i mean even for some of the lesser known registries of today but they always had a uh they always had a grade hunt in conjunction with that and people hunted all sorts of dogs at those things and the the entries were so are we seeing this thing come full circle now or what are we what are we what's your prediction on this steve oh chris i don't think we've seen it yet and the only thing that would make me doubt that that's going to go full circle and everybody's going to be uh hunting a crossbred dog is that the numbers of hunters, unfortunately, is decreasing overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's ha- kind of hard to tell 
unless the crossbreds rise up in the registries, uh, we won't know really. And most of the guys that are hunting crossbred dogs around the country, especially big game hunters, are not participating in the registration process anyway. You know, so it's kind of hard to predict, but I'm kind of thinking that if, if this thing, if we can make it work uh, through this podcast and everybody out there getting the message that we really have to preserve the hound sports, and we take this thing into the next generation in the next, we may see that, um, that trend toward a crossbred or expert, you know, in the poodle dog world or the companion dog world, we went through all this with the registries, you know, about mm-hmm. how the lab, the designer dogs, the labradoodles, your poo tick, as you mentioned in one of the other, <laughs> uh, other, uh, podcasts. I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't given up on that idea yet. <laughs> okay. God bless you. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, you know, Bless his that, heart. <laughs> a young person today that goes out and get, maybe gets married or, or has a roommate and they decide they want to get a dog, they go down to the pound and what do they do? They rescue a dog. And as one of the directors at AKC said when I was there, you know, they get a gold star on their chest because they rescued this crossbred dog. And so that there's a lot of things working against the purebred dog, but thankfully in hounds, our dogs have had to be producers. They've had to be good physical specimens. They've had to be able to compete and hunt and, and, and endure the rigors of the hunt. And so we didn't have a lot of the problems that other purebred breeds have had, such as blindness and reproductive problems and hip dysplasia. And although Dr. Halada did mention the fact that we do have hip dysplasia in some of our breeds, Mm -hmm. but so I guess I'm rambling here, but no, I, I really don't see the crossbreds taking over, but I do see an insurgence and dogs like the dog that we just talked about, big country is going to play a part in putting a lot more of those crossbred dogs on the ground. I, I personally believe this is not a stud ad for, for anybody's dog. He just uh, happens to be a dog that's out there right now that people are talking about. So if, would you hunt a crossbred dog? You know, I'm a purebred guy. I have been since the start. My dad was very much uh, about uh, breeding according to the plot standard. Uh, that's why we, when we occasionally produced a buckskin pup, my dad didn't breed them or, or, or use them in our breeding program because he believed in playing by the rules. And, you know, there was so much talk about people that played loosely with the papers and 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 say one thing and do something else and i was raised to be you know walk the line as far as registration and then of course with my work for all those years you know a registry is nothing but records and if your records aren't accurate then basically your product is worthless so it it would be hard for me to break away and uh but that said, I love a good dog and I, and I would certainly buy a good crossbred dog before I would buy a poor purebred dog. 
That's an interesting statement. I put you on the spot with that, and I knew I would because that was your business for so many years is trying to figure out how to make sure that hunters are registrations is where the registries make a lot of their money or a majority of their money. Is that, is that accurate? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a three legged stool. And I know that one of those legs seems about ready to fall off, but, and that's the publications uh, aspect. But, you know, chicken and the egg start anywhere you want, but you raise a litter of puppies. Uh, you have to litter register them. Then you send those papers out to the new owners. And then if they want to keep that dog and participate and breed and show or hunt the dog in competition, they have to get it permanently registered. Then when the dog goes out and makes a name for itself and begins to enter the events and earns titles, then it gets advertised in the magazine, and then it gets bred to, and then the cycle starts all over again. But the money, the substance of any registry is in the registration of the dogs, and particularly the litters of dogs. That's mm. that's the core. That's That's what has to be strong in order for all the rest of it to work. Well, it sounds like we need to, uh, uh, certainly you can speak to this subject. You're a subject matter expert for crying out loud on this business, Steve. Uh, Whether you like it or not, um, you put put so much passion into it for so many years, but it'd be fun to, uh, we got to get Gingrich and and, uh, Jerry Maul on here as well on the podcast. Sure, absolutely. You bet. Because those guys are out there right now, front line, you know, in uh, in these matters. And, you know, I'm uh, I'm uh, yesterday's news. So I'd be interested in getting those guys in here and pick their brains a little bit, you know, and, and make them spill some of the company secrets and, and all that. <laughs> you think we could have them on together without a knife fight? Oh, I'm sure those guys yeah. are great. Yeah. Those guys are great. Yeah. I say that tongue in cheek. Uh, Jerry, I've worked with Jerry so many times on so many projects. Uh, yeah, he's he's super. And then Gingrich, he's a hoot. He came to one of our Tree Dog Alliance banquets and and uh, provided the entertainment for us, playing his guitar and singing. The guy's a talented guy. Besides, uh, you know, being instrumental in Coonhound operations there at UKC, but. Yeah, he's a fun guy to have. We got we got to get him on here sooner rather than later. Oh, absolutely. Both Jerry and Alan are top flight guys, and they got good stories to tell. And uh, you know, Jerry, he comes from those good old German roots down there in Hoosier land, and and I think he and his wife both are from families of thirteen kids. They're both the youngest of thirteen kids, if you can I know. imagine. That's amazing. But yeah, I worked, uh, you know, of course, closely with Jerry. Uh, he was a, a standout guy in PKC. And then when I went to UK or to AKC, uh, I asked him to come along and he did a fantastic job there and he's doing uh, a great job with PKC. And then I met Alan Gingrich at a Beagle event back when we started the Beagle program at UKC and he was down around Albion, Indiana there, and I met him, and always a sharp guy and young guy, as you say, funny, and uh, I've enjoyed the relationship with Alan uh, through the years as well. So, yeah, we definitely have to make that happen. Well, I'm not a, I'm not anywhere near uh, being a golfer at all. 
Okay. I, usually my, my uh, involvement with golf balls is pitching them out in the yard and shooting them with a 22 rifle. But, uh, uh, we always get together at blue tick days. Uh, I've done it one time with Alan. He's a hoot. Even on the, on the golf course, we, we had a good time. So, well, yeah, and yeah, always a good time with those guys, for sure. I, I, I gave them plenty to laugh about, that's for sure, with my golf game. So, <laughs> Well, that's something that I've done over the years. Uh, but in my marketing career, before I went to UKC, my boss kind of wanted me to socialize uh, – with clients on the golf course and around the tennis courts and, and around the bars at these conventions. And, uh, I said, well, man, you, you should have put all those things down in the application <laughs> because I'm a lousy golfer. Uh, you know, I can play a little bit of tennis and I don't drink, so I don't know how this is going to work, Right. but, uh, we managed <laughs> to get by. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, Hey, uh, Let's uh, let's transition over here, Steve. I think uh, you know one of the things we wanted to do today was was recognize some of the support we're getting out there. Uh, definitely from our listeners, I can tell you that uh, our listeners are engaging the podcast and and doing a great job of, of downloading. We've got we've got a lot of subscribers. Our our social media pages are are rocking and rolling and uh everything but uh we still need people to to get in those podcast apps and and just leave us a rating or if you got time write a line or two on that and uh getting a lot of feedback and a, a lot of good feedback on different episodes we're having and stuff but uh one of the people that we have i don't think we've mentioned on our podcast yet who has stepped up and been very accommodating for us is uh mark zepp and he's a buddy of yours. Oh, yeah. Mark and I go back to uh, – it's interesting. Uh, I was with UKC, and the uh, American Redbone Coonhound Association was having their breed days out at Sedalia, Missouri. And I was there representing UKC. And at that event, uh, here comes this tall guy with a very nice-looking uh, young lady on his arm or – there about and it's more like probably on his elbow as tall as mark is (laughs) that's right and anyway that's where i met mark zepp and he just happened to be out in missouri and that was the weekend that he interviewed with john wick and linda wick and as most town people will know mark worked for wick outdoor works for many years he was more or less the face of the company out at the events and, uh, of course, Mark now, uh, uh, you know, he, he went from when Wick uh, closed the doors, he moved to the Tritronics Corporation, and then Tritronics became part of Garmin, and he's, uh, he's just moved right along with those companies. But Mark and I have been very close friends for a long time. And uh, when he heard that we were going to – uh, venture out into this world of podcasting. He said, Steve, I want to be a part any way that you think I can help. And, uh, and one of the ways that he's done that in our recent 
photo contest that we had, we offered to the prize winners uh, a Zep uh, Lifetime Coon Squaller. And uh, he makes a Coon Squaller. He calls it the Lifetime. It's the number one uh, selling Coon Squaller in the whole country. It's as the name implies, it has a lifetime warranty. And uh, and uh, he says that it's used by, um, you know, everybody across the spectrum of, of coon hunters. So, yeah, the uh, Mark Zepp is just, uh, just a real quality guy. And anything that he puts his hand to or his name to, you know, is going to be top quality. And uh, just a shout out to, my, uh, to Mark for... Uh, uh, you know, once again, uh, uh, being supportive of, of anything that, that's good for hounds people. I, uh, I played with the Zepp's coon squaller a little bit on, on the mountain lion hunt. I just recently went on with a treed mountain lion. Uh, he was kind of sitting in a, in a spot that wasn't real good for, uh, photos. We had a real limited access to where we could take a good picture of him and, and, uh, got on that, that coon squaller and moved him in the tree a little bit so that we could get a little better picture. So, um, believe it or not, that coon squalor, <laughs> I just happened to have it in my vest. I was wearing my, uh, my, my hunting vest with me and, and had that squalor in my, in my vest and, and got on that thing and, and sang a little tune to it and, and moved him around a little bit so where we could get a little better pictures of him. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, really. <laughs> There's a lot of application. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize this from back years ago when the Timothy Balcoon squalor became popular. It was basically a predator call. Right. The Weems Company, you mm-hmm. know, used it was a it was a a, a rabbit squealer or whatever you call them, <laughs> and uh, somebody got the idea that you could growl or flutter their tongue or whatever into the coon squatter i get a lot of people call me about or contact me and say i can't flutter my tongue How, and i don't know who started that because i don't flutter my tongue in the coon squalor either i just growl into it you know it's all back yeah. at the base of the throat not not on the tip of your tongue but anyway well mark's coon squallers uh, they've got replaceable reeds and uh and as I say, he gets a, a lifetime warranty, and and he he's really proud of the fact that they're made in the USA too. So, but anyway, again, a shout out to to Mark. I was on his website the other day. He's got some leather goods on there. Um, oh he's yeah, got, he's got a clothing line that he just uh, just started with his with his Zepps coats. Um, yeah, there's a lot for yeah. people to lot for people to look at there. For sure. For sure. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, what do you think? You got got anything else we need to cover today? You know, Chris, as I've said before, I think we've kind of shined the tree here. Uh, We've done this this, uh, podcast by ourselves, uh, although we did enlist uh, uh, a little help from Jason and Jess out there at W Hunting Supply, but uh, it's been a good good opportunity to visit with you and, and with our listeners. Um, I'm looking forward to, uh, all that that's coming down the pike. We're working on, uh, having some live podcasts from autumn Oaks. Those of you out there that don't know who, what autumn Oaks is, I, I, you couldn't be a coon hunter and not know what it is, but maybe for you, how, uh, bear and big game hunters and so forth, you may not know, but this is a 
gathering of uh, coon hunting enthusiasts from all across the United States and Canada uh, every year on Labor Day weekend. It's in Richmond, Indiana at the fairgrounds, the Wayne County Fairgrounds. It, uh, I coined the term the event where history is made when I was at UKC and was privileged to manage the Autumn Oaks for about 16 years. But the guys, Alan and, and Todd and all those people at UKC have done a great job in, 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 in taking my hand off and just running with it with this event and, and it's just a great time. And it, it, there's a huge vendor area. A lot of people come there for their supplies and so forth. So, uh, we'll be there. Um, Houndsman XP W hunting supply. We're going to be there and, uh, I'll, we'll give you more details and we hope to do some live podcasts while we're there. And so some of you that are listening to this may end up on the podcast. But, uh, did that, we just did we just the, commit for Buddy putting pressure on? <laughs> we just putting some pressure I, on him. I, I I think so. I think he needs to be there, don't you? I do. I do. I think he needs to. <laughs> he can fly right in here to Cincinnati, and and uh, that's he'd right. be pretty close. He'd be close. Well, so. I I uh, I can vouch for the uh, Chris Powell Uber service it works great <laughs> uh picked me up at uh, cincinnati took me to plot days uh and back uh, with a mashed uh, up harvest, grill harvested a little wildlife on the way <laughs> on the way back <laughs> on the way back yeah. yeah you said you said should we go back and see if see if the deer's dead well you remember what my response was i <laughs> Well, I don't remember, but it was a negative response. <laughs> I probably shouldn't. I should, probably shouldn't put it on the air, but it wasn't very pleasant. I can tell you that. Yeah, those no, dang no. dang things came streaking out of the out of the ditch, and and there wasn't any avoiding it. Right in the man, right in the, the grill. List, yeah, the listeners should know that Chris sports this this beautiful, nice tricked out chevy pickup <laughs> four by four and uh i he didn't cry but uh i i, I don't he handled it pretty well chris <laughs> <laughs> yep but yep. anyway yeah it was all good so yeah we can put but if buddy uh you know can uh get on a bird out there and, and fly out to the midwest that'd be great yeah, maybe we could get uh, Jason to come out too. I I talked to him about it a little bit, so I've about got him talked into it. That's but, good. Uh, well, you know, mentioning Jason there, and I think you uh, we touched on it when he was on on the phone there. Uh, that's going to be a tremendous addition to our podcast as we're able to kind of pick his brain from time to time about some of the issues that people. Uh, maybe not issues, but just little uh, uh, situations that pop up uh, in the use of this uh, uh, this equipment, you know, because it's just like me going trying to learn a new operating system on a laptop mm -hmm. and trying to build a website. There's a lot of questions that come along that I don't have answers to. Right. And, uh, and so that's going to be a great ad addition. Yeah. Yep. Well, Steve... We better wrap this one up, and uh, I've got uh, got a couple appointments this afternoon. But it's been a it's I think it's been a good conversation. It's been uh, 
pretty lighthearted and and uh, not so uh, heavy today. Well, Chris, you know, it's good to do that every once in a while, you know, take a little break and just kick back. Uh, it's like uh, a, a website or a Facebook page that I started called Coon Hunting Conversations. And it, it just, you know, it you need that coffee shop time, that tailgate time, that time at, around the clubhouse tables with a good cup of coffee just to talk dogs and talk coon and bear and cat hunting or whatever, and just, you know, do what we love to do most. And that's when we're not hunting our dogs, we're talking about it. No doubt. No doubt. So why don't you go ahead and sign us off, Steve? Well, Chris, until I talk to you the next time, friend, you follow your hound and I'll follow mine. <laughs>